This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Went to Mo Kings Mellow, podcast that follows the fantastic Chelsea FC women's uh, team. Uh, now, hopefully we are the podcast that won't need extra time to review this cup match. Uh, in fact, the time it takes Mackenzie Arnold to take a goal kick, we might just be finished. Uh, after a bright start, strikers Chelsea were caught napping on West Ham's early goal allowed them to sit deep and frustrate Chelsea. It felt like it might be one of those games, but a masterstroke around the Hayes playing an actual striker reaped its rewards. Me officials equaliser taking us to extra time. Then Chelsea nudged it up a gear or two. First there in Cuthbert and then Aggie Beaver-Jones. Or Shokan Miskin, depending on uh, what angle you looked for the goal from. Confirming our fourth round victory over our London rivals. Uh, and the title of tonight's show is No Sam Kerr, No Striker. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's about as good a reaction as that deserves. Uh, went to Mo Kings Meadow, episode 115. Uh, now, thankfully, it's not just me and bad jokes. Uh, tonight I am joined by the fantastic Rich Bates. Rich, good to see you. How you doing? Yeah, uh, good, thanks. Uh, glad to be back on the show. I mean, there's always a funny coincidence uh, when I come on these because we've got someone with the surname Bates talking and someone with the surname Mears talking, but I don't think you're going to be selling the club to me for one pound like they did in 1982. True, true. Although... Once Emma leaves, the stock value could plummet. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the bid's got to be a little bit higher uh, if you want to buy my football club. Uh, anyway, uh, and we're also joined by the excellent Sophie Spittle. Sophie, good to see you again. Yeah, and you too, and you, Dean, and you, Rich. Yeah, uh, now remember, you can uh, listen to the show live uh, normally at 8 o'clock on a Tuesday and sometimes a Friday uh, by heading to Mixlers, mixlr.com. Uh, forward slash went to Mo Kings Meadow. You can join in the show by posting on the chat page. The connection's a bit funny tonight, so uh, Buffer's in there, but apparently you can't hear us, um, which is good. Uh, you haven't missed anything, to be fair. Um, now, uh, we're going to get into all the action from our FA Cup fourth round win over West Ham after this short break. 
right then, let's get into all the action from uh, Sunday's FA Cup win over West Ham. Chelsea lining up for this one in a 4-2-3-1 formation. Uh, Sashira Mesovic in goal. A back four of Ashley Lawrence, Kadisha Buchanan, Jeff Carton, Yves Perisay. Uh Sophie Ingle, captain, and Aaron Cuthbert in midfield with Johanna Ritten, Cameron, Frank Kirby, and Guru Rice in supporting. Uh, and Lauren James in attack. Uh, Emma Hayes made... Uh, full use of her substituted, yes. Um, uh, triple sub on the 59th minute with me official coming on for Frank Kirby, many Liverpools for Sophie Ingle and uh, Nathalie Bjorn. Is it Bjorn? Is it just Bjorn? Just Bjorn, yeah. Bjorn, Bjorn, Bjorn. That's it, yeah. Jess Carter, uh, in the 59th minute, and then uh, Jerk and Niskin came on in injury time for Guru Wrighton, and in extra time, Aggie Beaver Jones replaced Lauren James. Um, as well, that left uh, according to my list, Jesse Fleming, Maramielda, Hannah Hampton, then Chankovic uh, as unused subs. Uh, stats wise, if I can get there, Chelsea had seventy percent possession, thirty three shots, ten on target, fifteen corners, and sixteen fouls. Uh, to West Ham's thirty percent possession, six shots, two on target, one corner, and twelve fouls. And I suppose we should start Sophie with the lineup. Um. What did you make of it? Sort of looking at it with no striker was a bit sort of unsure of how they were going to line up on the pitch, but it was Lauren James's sort of a false nine. What did you make of it all? Yeah, I when I saw the lineup, I assumed it would be Frank Kirby up front. I must admit, um, with either LJ on the side or supporting her, um, I was intrigued to see Hannah Hampton on the bench rather than AKB as well. Um, wondered if AKB was injured, but then she turned out for the warm-up, so not sure what's going on there. But yeah, no, it was the, it was the up front. I assumed Kirby would be starting uh, up front, and it turned out that that wasn't the case. Yeah, Rich, nodding in agreement there. Is that the similar thoughts for you? Yeah, I thought I thought Fran would be uh, playing as like the nine, mainly because I think, you know, for her, it would be a lot it'd be like, I guess, a slightly less running. And also she's more of a penalty box player than I think anyone else who was in the starting 11 as well. So, yeah, um, that's what I thought before the game. And yeah, it didn't turn out like that. No, it didn't. But Sophie, I suppose it still was, I thought, uh, from the from the first whistle, you know, a good start by Chelsea up until obviously the goal for West Ham. But I thought they looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah, we looked comfortable. Um, although I would say in the standing, the South Stand, obviously we were defending that. Ueki was giving Jess Carter a few uh, dodgy moments in, in the first few minutes. She was pressing her really hard, and that was obviously a tactic of theirs to put Asai up against Buchanan and um, Ueki up against Carter, who was really pressing her hard. Um, Jess coped with it, but she didn't look comfortable there, that's for sure. Um, and then, yeah, the goal came. I must admit, I thought it was offside. I'm still not convinced it wasn't offside. Um, and it was well taken, but we should have done better. We should have stopped it. Mackenzie Arnold should never have been able to take that long over a kick and, and Buchanan should have headed it. But apart from that, sort of looking at the whole match, I thought Buchanan had a good game. So I think I can forgive her that as we won. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, Rich, for me, I know Buchanan does get caught on the goal. We'll talk about it now. Um I don't expect my goalkeeper to get beaten from there. And it was a bit of a nightmare for Muzovic. I don't think she'll want to watch that again too many times. No. Um, yeah, it was a it was a dreadful goal to concede. I don't think we've conceded a worse one this season because it's 
it's just from a it's just a long ball up from a free, from a free kick. Um, Buchanan misses the header, and then Asai's just you know sort of you know running on goal. Buchanan tries, I think, to sort of get back, but then you know there's space for the shot, and you know the shot does go in the corner. But I think if Musevic, I think she's slightly too far over to uh, it would be her right. Um, and yeah, she isn't able to sort of recover um, afterwards. I mean, it was low and it looked like it was in the corner, at least from the bit of the south stand I was standing in. But looking back on the video afterwards, yeah, I think Musevic maybe just a step too far to the right um, and basically got caught out from it. But yeah, it was a, it was a very poor goal to concede. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Richie's spot on there, Sophie, when I sort of watched it back, Muslim doesn't know where what part of the goal she's in, and although it is a good it is a good finish, it does go in the corner. She should be a couple of steps over to her left. And I think she does save it comfortably, but she's not set either, which I think is a another concern. Yeah, I mean the commentator I was listening to it back, uh, listening back because I didn't really see it because the south stand where I was absolutely rammed, and I had I'm short, so I had quite a few people in front of me, and I couldn't quite see over the head to the bottom of the goal. Um, so I assumed it was a really good tuck into the corner out of Muzovic's reach. And then when I look back on the on the replay, I thought, oh, she probably should have done better there. Um, and the commentator made the point that maybe she was taken by surprise and that she could have been expecting it to go the other way. Um, but yeah, if you're going to probably be harsh, then she probably should have saved it. And she was probably too far over to her right, as Rich said. Yeah, and Rich was probably sticking with Muzovic. You know, AKB was out there for the warm-up, as Sophie said. Um, a big game coming up this Sunday against Man United at Stamford Bridge. She had a bit of a late flap as well in late on in the game. Uh, didn't look too confident with the long ball. Are you expecting a different goalkeeper in goal next week? Oh, again, we bring back it's Chelsea's goalkeeper roulette. Um, yeah, I, I thought Musevic would start this game, and I've my general consensus now is that maybe she is number one just, but. I mean, it is, it just feels like it's week to week. There's no one sort of set in stone. There's no one sort of grabbing that position. And I really, I really don't know. The only, I mean, Hampton was good against Bristol City. Um, uh, And, you know, I think she possibly should have more game time uh, based off that. But maybe throwing her into Manchester United at home at the bridge might be maybe just a, a step too far. I know she obviously she's been goalkeeping or regularly in the WSL for a few seasons now, but you know, it is a big game on Sunday now. Um and I think I probably would just about stick in Musevic, but it is so close. And I mean we're talking, you know, I think if if Berger was at her best, I would probably prefer Berger. But, you know, we obviously saw at the Emirates, you know, she 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 didn't have a great performance there, and I can't remember if she played since then or started since then because I think Zachira started the the two Champions League games against Hacken, and Hampton was in goal for Bristol City, so I don't think she's played since then. Yeah, so just to bring in a comment that Buffers made on Mixler about Musovic not inspiring the confidence in the defence, do you think that stands for maybe someone like Jess Carter who probably looks a bit more confident? With AKB behind her, maybe that familiarity, of course, uh, that they've got helps as well. Um, I thought this would have been the game for Hampton, you know, against West Ham. And then if you're going to bring Musovic back, you do that for the big game. But 
we know that Emma's sort of ruthless with this and they make a mistake, they're out. Um, what are you expecting to come? I don't know. It's really difficult. It's as, as Rich said, it's like roulette. It wouldn't surprise me to see Berger back in goal on Sunday, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, who knows? Um, I, I agree with Rich. I don't think Hampton, this would be the game to start Hampton. I would have thought, yeah, West Ham um, would have been the one, maybe Brighton away. Um, I, I wonder also how much of Zachira's or Musevich's um, lack of confidence or the defence's lack of confidence is down to no Millie. And if you bring Millie back into the defence, does that improve? Or when we bring Millie back into the fence, does that improve the keeper as well as Jess Carter? Um, because I, I think we're really seeing how important Millie is to this defence this season. Uh, last season when she wasn't there, Magda and Mia, Marin stepped in um, and we didn't seem to miss her as much this season. I think we've really missed her. Um, and that's the goalkeeper as well as the defenders around her. Yeah, I think uh, her absence has been telling. Uh, and then when she returns, uh, who knows? Um, it looks like she didn't train at all in this winter training camp. Because um, she was wearing a watch in every photo. Uh, so we know she's not playing football. She's got a nice watch on. Um, I want to move forward because I thought there would have been a couple of changes at half time, to be honest. Uh, but there wasn't. The, the triple change came on the hour mark. Um, I go through one by one. I thought they all had a good impact on the game. The first, uh, Bjorn for, for Jess Carter, who I thought, we mentioned already Jess Carter, I thought she had a really poor game, probably one of her worst for a while. Uh, sloppy in possession. Um, looked like she didn't like the challenge that West Ham posed her, um, and she was targeted. Uh, but Rich, uh, Nathalie Bjorn looked pretty Pretty confident, pretty composed. I think she had one one slip, the ball went over her head from a long ball. But apart from that, um, looked like she'd been part of the team for a little while. Yeah, um it, it was it was I think it was good that she came on and she instantly seemed to I think the defense around her seemed to just sort of calm down. Or at least that's what, what the you know the impression I got when she came on the pitch. It just everything everything seemed to sort of calm down. And I think that um I think Emma said after the game that, you know, she's a bit of an organiser and a bit of a talker. And I think that's what they that defence needs at the moment, especially in Millie's absence. Um, and yeah, like she, she looked composed um, from the bits of, obviously, most of the time uh, she was on the pitch, uh, they were attacking the, uh, uh, were attacking the South Stand. So um, I wasn't sort of seeing it from, you know, from the other angle, but I could see that she was trying to progress the ball sort of up the pitch, kind of like, um, you know, I guess sort of similar to how like Kadisha um, can do, but doing it sort of on the other side and sort of pushing us up and, you know, sort of breaking the, the first sort of West Ham press and we were kind of sort of basing our attacks from there. And um, yeah, just, it was just much more, um, yeah, I, I sort of agree with you about Jess. So, yeah, it wasn't her best performance. I I do think that she, in particular, misses Millie, um, because I think they've really sort of struck up a great partnership together, both with us and for England. Um, and you know their styles kind of you know blend well together for centre backs. You know, it, Millie being sort of the uh, the one that's sort of um, you know more aggressive and you know wins headers. Um, and then Jess being the one who can sort of cover him behind and cover cover 
you know the pace in behind and you know at the moment I don't think they've just I don't think they've quite sort of found you know the right blend since Millie's injury um but hopefully Bjorn can you know uh strike up a partnership with someone uh, or whether it's a back three and you know they they go by that route uh, but uh, you know they just need to find the right combination of players at the back really yeah i suppose i think this was the first time Chess has come off the pitch this season um, I don't think she's missed a minute. So, you know, yeah, I think, I think on that. Sophie, your thoughts on, on Bjorn? Yeah, uh, as Rich said, I was obviously standing in the South Stand as well and, and it was hard to say, but I did notice that she was, as Rich said, progressing the ball well. I couldn't tell, and I haven't had a chance to watch the whole match back, if Ueki wasn't pressing her as much as she was pressing Carter in the first half, because it could be that if she know that Bjorn could pass the ball or pass around her, she wasn't going to press, whereas the new Jess was susceptible mm-hmm. to that. So that could also alter if West Ham's game play changed when they brought Bjorn on. That could also make a difference to how she was allowed to play. Um, but yeah, she she looked pretty confident. She looked comfortable. As you said, she looked like she, she'd always played with this team. Um, I suppose having JRK in front of her and Zachira behind her helps because she knows them both. Um, she knows the WSL, she knows how West Ham play, which is all positives and, and reasons why I, I believe we signed her. So, yeah, so far, so good. Yeah, interesting to see if she gets the nod uh, on Sunday as well. Uh, the second sub, um, back to the team, uh, mainly Leopold's on for Sophie Inglewood. Just Sophie brought that energy back to the midfield that I thought was lacking a little bit with Sophie there, with West Ham sitting a bit deeper. Yeah, I don't think it was just energy, though. I think she just possesses a calmness and, what's the word? I can't think of the word, on the ball that just exudes everything around her. She finds space where there isn't space. She's finding those passes. She's moving forward. Um, She just almost glides across the pitch. She's just, I thought she was superb when she came on. I really did. And I think she allowed Erin, I think she freed up Erin to be more of an of Aaron and we saw the best of Aaron when Leopold's came on the pitch and I, I said from the start of the season for me that's my first choice partnership in midfield is Cuthbert and Leopold's I think they really complement each other well you've got Aaron's energy Melanie's yeah just sort of calmness and and they just works really well together and I think she made a huge difference when she came on yeah what amazes me about her Rich is she sort of disappears for weeks we don't know what's sort of up with her then she comes back and looks like she's never been away yeah, there's there's been points this season um, where we've really missed that sort of calmness in midfield. There's been a lot of um, performances where we've been very transitional um, and the game's kind of sort of resembled a basketball match. And usually we've been on the, on the better end of that because of the four players we've got. But then, you know, we really missed someone like Leopold at Arsenal. Um, we... You know, there needed to be some sort of calmness, you know, um, you know, even if we can see there's sort of someone to sort of slow the ball down and to just, you know, um, you know, just sort of recycle possession and keep the ball. And um, yeah, I thought Melly was great when she came on um, and it's good to see her, her back. And, you know, hopefully she doesn't have another mysterious illness that takes her out for what felt like absolutely ages. Um, yeah, it's good to see her back again. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Everyone listening echo that. Um, and then the, the third sub, um, which I think really changed our attacking output, was uh, Kirby often the official on. Now, not to say Kirby had a bad game, I thought she actually did pretty well. 
uh, linking up the play and dropping a bit deeper and providing the passes forward. Um, but there's just something about Lauren James. Sophie, when she's done, when she does that, I think Lauren James' performance had everything apart from a goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think even when she was playing that striker position, she was trying to do what was obviously asked of her. And, and I think maybe one of the reasons why she was playing that position was because she's more physical than Kirby and therefore she could play up against the back of the defender and not necessarily lose the ball, although that isn't her game. She's got the physicality to be able to do that. But as you say, that means we lose so much more of her of the other stuff that you get from Lauren, the running, passing the ball and running with the ball rather than the having to spin off and, and find it. And when Fischl came on, she then provided that, what's the word, point, focal point, um, which allowed Lauren to move off of her. Lauren played, did she go out wide or did she stay in the 10? I can't remember now. Um, and Lauren drove forward and, and ran at the ball and, and was was a lot seemed a lot more comfortable um, in that role. And I think as much as she hasn't scored that many goals this season, Fischl's hold-up play and link play and the way she brings other players in has been absolutely superb. And I think that was really apparent on Sunday. And then that goal that she scored was absolutely fantastic. I mean, yeah, it, I thought it was good when I watched it. And then when I watched it back, I realised it was a lot better than I thought it was. Superb goal. Yeah, we're going to get onto the goal after the break, but just going back to the sub, Rich, you know, as as Sophie said, you know, Mia Fischel gave us the focal point. Lauren James was able to pick up the ball a bit deeper. She was sort of out wide but tucked in and Ashley Lawrence was able to overlap a bit more, uh, get forward. I thought Ashley Lawrence had one of her better games for Chelsea uh, that I've seen her play. Um, but it just felt like a bit of a eureka moment, like, oh, why don't we just do this from the start? Seemed to, everything seemed to make sense all of a sudden. Yeah, I think they just, um, I, I kind of feel like that, and Emma's course, well, Emma said this after the game that, you know, Lauren was obviously up there on her own, but what was lacking before the substitutes were made were the lack of midfield runners in behind. Because obviously if, you know, if Lauren's sort of, you know, playing a bat to goal and sort of dropping deep, then you need someone else there to fill in the space. And, a lot of the first half, it looked like we were getting into dangerous areas out wide, but there was no one, you know, Canarid was beating the left back pretty regularly and trying to sort of find space to uh, put in a cross and there wasn't anyone in the box. Um, and there's a sort of a comparison that I could do when we come on to the third goal, uh, sorry, the second goal in extra time um, later on. But yeah, it just seemed to be sort of a lack of, you know, people sort of running you know, Lauren's, Lauren's obviously dropping off and there needs to be someone running in behind. And there was just a lack of that. Um, but then once Mia's on the pitch, she can then sort of occupy that space. She gives the West Ham defender something to think about. It also then allows Lauren to do what she does best, which is get the ball deep and then drive at defenders and either, you know, take a shot or create a chance, um, which is what she's she's best at. Um yeah, I thought that was the most important substitution. I mean, I was calling for it at half time. Uh, either, either her, or you play Aggie in the middle, or you get Shokaniskin on, who I know can run into the box from deep. Um, it had to be sort of one of the three, and Mia was the one I wanted the most. And yeah, that substitute definitely worked and turned the game around for us, I think. Yeah, playing a striker, who would have thought it? Um, genius. You know, we're going to miss her. Um, now, before we get on to that, the official goal, which I think deserves a bit of a build-up. Uh, we're going to take a short break. Uh, before we do that, uh, a note to tell you that the latest issue of King's Manor Chronicle, your Chelsea FC women's fanzine, 
uh, is out now. Issue 8 is 36 pages of Chelsea FCW content. Um, you can get your copy uh, at Stamford Bridge. I'll be there selling copies ahead of our game against Manchester United. Alternatively, you can uh, order online at kingsmedochronicle.bigcartel.com. Uh, copies are £2 uh, plus postage when you order online or if you see me in Stamford Bridge, it's just £2 because I'm not posting it. Um, the link for all that will be in the description. Uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's matchday problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Uh, welcome back to part two of Winterberg Kingsman episode 115. Uh, back into the action. Um, and... Ten minutes after the sub, where Chelsea seems to to click, everything seems to click again. Um, it's it's one all, and you know, Rich. I think aside from the finish, which was excellent, I thought what was good was the way that Chelsea recycled the possession in a, in an attacking position and got the ball back in the box again by working it you know around the team, which they hadn't sort of been doing. Yeah, I think it starts off with um, uh, JRK. Um on the right-hand side, and she puts a pretty dangerous ball in, but unfortunately there was no one in the box. But uh, Guru, I think, then sort of recovered the ball and um, obviously then they keep up the pressure, they recycles it to Eve, and then Eve uh, clips the ball in. And I think it's Johanna that actually heads, you know, provides the knockdown to Mia. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, they've been pretty good at um, sustaining attacks and keeping pressure up. Um, I remember the there was a period against Aston Villa away early in the season where it felt like that we were attacking for three minutes and then we eventually scored. We just kept kept coming and kept coming and knocking on the door. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, it was it was good to see the pressure, you know, toll in the end. Yeah, and then Sophie, the finish itself, you know, back to goal, um, you know, Drogba-esque um, against Liverpool, was it, I think, is back to goal turn and a great, a great finish. Um, you know, a, a great moment for her. Only her second Chelsea goal, and uh, maybe that's the reason why Emma went with Lauren. Yeah, it could be. She keeps referring to to Mia as raw, and that she's got to earn her minutes. Um, so yeah, it could well be that she went for the the experience. Um, but yeah, she did make a difference, and and that goal, and the fact that she went for the 
the tighter angle rather than spinning the other way and going for the big part of the goal. She went for the the tight, the smaller side and still got it in. Um, yeah, I do think that just shows what a talent she is and what, what she can be for us when she really finds her bearings and gets used to the WSL. Because, yeah, so it's such a well-taken goal. And she needed it, the crowd needed it, the team needed it. Um, it, it was it was, it was was perfect at that moment. Yeah, we could look back at that as a very important goal, uh, indeed. Uh, and then, obviously, Rich, the, sort of the last thing of, of the game was, was Lauren James with that chance that she, she plays over the bar and just wasn't, yeah. like I mentioned earlier, she had everything apart from the goal and it just wasn't her day you know, in front of it. Yeah, um, she had a few shots, I think, before a couple beforehand where she you managed to get like sort of open looks at goal and just didn't test Arnold enough. Um, it was sort of comfortable saves for her. But yeah, the one at the end was, um, I think Hallerid and Fischl did really well. Uh, they they sort of coordinated like a press really high and it caught a West Ham player out like right on the, it was either like an edge or just inside the area, um, which allowed for that chance to happen. And yeah, obviously, you know, most times Lauren's going to score. Um, you know, I'm. I know she had a lot of shots in that game, and you know, didn't score. But I want her to keep shooting. I'd be more annoyed if she stopped shooting, to be honest, because we we can see we know what happens when she does shoot, and it, it you know, most of the time she's hitting it top corner from outside the penalty area, or you know, you know, or she's like score, you know, uh, and it's with either foot as well, or she can you know score like the the couple of goals she had against Liverpool where. The really sort of accurate finishes right into the bottom corner. Um, yeah, um, it wasn't her day, but she'll have plenty of good days um, going forward. Yeah, I was sat next to to Dane's son Ethan, and I was saying, you know, she's getting close to the goal. Um, after a fourth, the fourth one will be a goal, and that was the sort of a fourth chance that she had uh, that just went straight over the bar. Um, it's just frustrating, Sophie. And, but if she's saving up for next weekend, um, all will be forgiven. Yeah, yeah, she says she scores a couple next weekend. I, I've got a slightly different opinion than Rich. I must admit, I was really annoyed that she hadn't scored that goal. Um, for me, if she's going to, she is a top quality player. But if she's going to be top level, top quality player, she has to put chances like that away. Um, and whilst I appreciate that, yeah, she can do amazing things when she shoots from outside the box. Sometimes I think she chooses that option too often and she needs to think about what else is going on around her because what it does is it gives the ball back to their goalkeeper if it doesn't go in. Um, so I'm not saying she should stop shooting completely. I think she just needs to be a bit more choosy about when she when she shoots and when she sort of maybe looks for another option um, to try and keep that pressure on because if it doesn't go in, the ball gets back to the keeper keeper waste time or or knocks it forward and suddenly we're on the defensive again. So, yeah, I, I like her shooting because I know what she can do, but I think she needs to be a bit more choosy. Um, and I think, yeah, she should have put that chance away. But she's still a young player. We've still got to remember she's still a young player. She hasn't got that much experience and, and it will come in, in two or three years' time. She'll be putting those chances away for, 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 um, for fun, I, I think. Yeah, I was annoyed because I was so cold. <laughs> another half an hour um, but there we go I had to uh, the extra time Richard sort of trying to remember what sort of happened overall as such but it seemed Chelsea just sort of remembered their Chelsea and that they're playing West Ham and they went back to their sort of natural roles as, as clubs yeah I think once Mia equalised 
I didn't really see us losing the game. Um, I think West Ham's best hope was to try and draw it out to penalties. But, you know, I think at the end, we'd, we'd kind of sort of remembered or we kind of worked out how to basically create chances um, against them. And I sort of mentioned earlier on about the sort of the lack of players that were in the box or in the first half. Well, for the second goal, again, it was a good sort of cross from, from JRK. Um, and Erin scoring a header at the back post. I think she outjumped a West Ham centre back. I can't work out the number exactly, but I think it was a centre back. But there was other, another three players also in the box at the same time. Like Nuskin, Fisher, and Lawrence were also in the box at the same time. Um, and you know, that's it's a lot better than zero people in the in the box. Um, but yeah, it was a great header from from Erin. It's not the sort of goal I think you you'd expect her to score, but she's she's so determined. And I mean, I, I guess I'm jumping ahead here, but she probably was my player of the match. Um, I think she's she's been really good. Sort of the last fr- like three four games, um, sort of going back to um, yeah the end of last year. Um, yeah, I think she's been sort of fantastic since then. Yeah, leapt like a Scottish salmon in the box to head that one in. I mean, so during the game, I was moaning at JRK a bit. You know, as Rich mentioned, there's no one in the box, but she was putting the balls in, and I was sort of, you know, look up a bit. There's no one there, so maybe don't cross it or cross it back a bit more. Um, but, you know, she got two assists in this game. Um, she continues her impressive performances this season. Um, and maybe she's not to blame for no one being in the box. I think that is probably our attacker's fault uh, that no one's there to head these crosses in. But, you know, this time someone was and it was Erin and as Rich said, you know, a fantastic jump uh, and a great header into the corner. Yeah, I mean, she got a header earlier in the game, hadn't she, that she'd put over the bar. Um, but yeah, I mean, Erin scoring a header. But Erin scoring against West Ham is not so surprising. Erin scoring a header is, is possibly slightly more surprising. But no, I agree with Rich. I think Erin, since that Arsenal match, has been absolutely superb. Um She's really stepped up and become a leader, I think, in this team. And the fact that she's now the person that takes the captain armband when um, Sophie or Marin aren't on the pitch, I think. And I mean, she did it in Hacken as well. It, it just speaks volumes for, for how she's considered around the club. And she she really took the game by the scruff of the neck. And, and really, especially when Leopold came on, even before that, driving the game forward and, and making those tackles um, it got quite interesting, the two number 22s in midfield during the game, her and Gorry. Um, and I was actually a bit disappointed with Gorry, I must admit. I thought she left her fit in a little bit too often. I thought she probably should have had a couple of yellow cards before she actually did get one. Um, now, whether that's just the speed of the game or whether that's actually how she plays um, close up, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, she she. I'm just excited to see what she can do the rest of the season, being that leader of the team, if, if Millie is out for longer than we hope. And obviously we know Sam's not around. So yeah, I'm excited to see what Aaron brings going forward again. Yeah. I think Gory could have had about four yellow cards before the yellow card. And then that should have been a one to be sent off. Uh, but yeah, the less said about the referees, the better, I think uh, in this game. Um, frustrated a lot of people in the West Ham where I was uh, with her performance. Um, but anyway, I am. I said she had a touch of the Anthony Taylors about her having seen Anthony Taylor at Stamford Bridge the day before. <laughs> yeah. Just when you think it can't get any worse, um, it does. Uh, and then, um, Rich, moving on to the third goal. Um, and before we talk about Aggie Beaver-Jones, we should talk about uh, the assist, um, which was absolutely... I don't think anyone saw it coming, apart from Aggie. Luckily, she went on to it, but it sort of bamboozled West Ham, didn't it? 
Yeah, and obviously we talked about Melly, um, obviously previously, and that just sort of shows the class on the ball that she's got. Yeah, just a fantastic sort of imagination, you know, scoop pass and yeah, um, Aggie's finish again. Yeah, just just lost it over Mackenzie Arnold. Um, the cycling midfielder tried to steal the goal, but I think it has been credited back to AJ, um, Aggie. Um, yeah, I think it's been. I think I'm pretty sure I saw early today or yesterday that it's been credited back to her uh, now. But yeah, um, yeah, I guess yeah, that just illustrates you know what Melly can bring to the team. Yeah, it was a fan, it was a really good pass. Yeah, I think in the celebration, I think Niskan tells her it was over the line. Um, it was why she kicked it. Um, I don't think she would have stole it. She seems too nice anyway. Uh, yeah. I've seen. Uh, but so if you go moving on to, to Aggie, you know, it's that young natural instinct of hers just to go for goal, I think, that gets her on the end of the ball with, with a great finish and she continues to impress. Yeah, definitely. I also think there's probably the players, I mean, Melly hasn't necessarily played with them. Players are probably used to the runs. She makes those runs a lot and the players are used to it. So the chances are you put a ball in that area, she's got the speed and the skill to um, to get on the ball and then do something with it, whether it's create a chance or, or score a goal herself. Um, yeah, she's she's brilliant. And the question is, is is when Macario and Hamano are fit, out of those attackers, who who ends up not in the squad, or do you have all attackers on the bench? It's it's going to be a very interesting um, dilemma for for Emma when when Macario and Hamano are fit and, and ready to play. Um, because you can't really drop Aggie because she provides those late goals um, and she doesn't deserve to be dropped, but then equally no, no, neither does anybody else. So, um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, two goalkeepers and five strikers on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, we'll see. Um, you know, Richard, you want to just come in on, on Aggie as well? Uh, because, you know, big things have had to stick around as... Sophie mentioned there's a lot of competition coming up for her for, for minutes. Um, but, you know, you wouldn't back her against, you know, still being a great part of this side in the second half of the season. Yeah, she's she's definitely carved out a role for herself that I personally probably wouldn't have seen coming at the start of the season. Um, I didn't watch a lot of the loan periods that she had at Everton. Um, obviously, I could only sort of go back on, you know, the sort of the stats that she had. Um, but, yeah, the... Some of the finishes she's had, and they're all different sort of types of finishes. Um, she's and also from different positions as well. She's played up on the right side. Um, she's played on the left. She's played down the middle, and I think she scored in all in all three of those. Um, it seems like she plays down the left possibly more often, and I guess that's useful because I was trying to work out before the season who would play on the left side uh, of the attack if Guru wasn't there. And it seems like that Aggie may be that player uh, most of the time. Um, but she she's definitely a different player to Guru. Um, she's someone that will run in behind uh, from from wide um, and, you know, make herself a presence in the box. And, yeah, the, as I said before, the, some of the goals she's scored this season, you know, fabulous finishes. I mean, remember having, like, a great angle being in the away end at Villa um, early in the season. Where she sort of picks the ball up on the left hand side, and she does her best impression of Thierry Henry in two thousand and four, where she just sort of glides across, at, you know, at high speed, and then just puts it right into the uh, 
the bottom right hand corner. It was yeah. And then yeah, there's other finishes she's had. I don't know. She's she scored header. She scored screamers with her left foot away at Everton. Yeah, I've I've been really impressed with her. A pleasant surprise. Um, I yeah, I didn't really sort of anticipate this coming, but yeah, it's really helped us out a lot. Yes, six goals in ten games, a goal every thirty-four minutes. Um, sort of exactly what you want from you know your academy players coming through, supplementing. Uh, Lauren James and Sam Cole obviously scored seven and nine uh, each. Um, now, normally at this point, going back to sorry. to Aggie, she's she's the the interview with her. Sorry, the program interview on Sunday was with her. And she was saying that she's got a really good communication with Emma and Denise. And they made it clear from even sort of while she was on loan at Everton last season that she would be with the first team squad this year and what her role would be within the first team squad. And that that's always been made clear and there's good communication and she understands what her role is. And I just think that that's probably a key key part of how she's playing at the moment is how she's being treated and communicated with within the club. Yeah, yeah. I, my programme because the fanzine's much better. Um, <laughs> the money, um, but Let's yeah, get them exclusives, Dean. Yeah, unfortunately, players don't sit down and talk to me, uh, so we don't get that. But we do get um, the fan opinion across, uh, which I think is better anyway than someone telling you they speak to the manager. Uh, just my jealous opinion. Um, now, normally at this stage of a podcast, I give you the player of the match poll. Uh, I didn't do one because I forgot. Um, it would have included. Lauren James, Ashley Lawrence, Aaron Cuthbert, and Mia. Lee. Probably would have put Cameron in. Okay. Yeah. He's a fourth. Um, I mean, I think we're going to have a unanimous winner, but um, Rich, I think you've already mentioned your vote, but yeah. you confirm it for us. Yeah, Aaron Cuthbert. Yeah, Sophie. Yeah, Aaron Cuthbert. Melly, Melly would have been a second for me, even though she wasn't on your list. So, I think just because she came on that little bit later, I know there was a yeah. time, so she did play for an hour, um, so she could have got in it, um, but I didn't do one, so you know it's a fake list, and Erin wins of hundred percent of the vote anyway. Um, so there we are. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about because you mentioned it, Sophie, um, the South Stand being a little snug, um yesterday and I don't know if you noticed the other end of the pitch um, there was a lot of space for everybody uh, because they gave the end to West Ham to sell who uh, apparently sold 40 tickets before giving it back to us uh, less than a week before the, the game um, nothing makes sense anymore I think the club have to give the whatever the away allowance is they have to offer it to West Ham West Ham take it, and then if they can't sell it, they give it back to us. But I'm not sure it's in the club's control not to have offered all of the North Stand. And I also think from being at most of the away matches this season that we have to offer some seating as well. We can't just offer standing. So that means it's the North Stand. You can't just offer that northeast corner standing bit. So whilst, yeah, it is very annoying, and I know people that, normally sit in the north stand had to move and then they looked and realized that it was empty and it was very snug in the south stand i'm not sure all of it was actually in the club's control um whether they could have handled it better i don't know um but yeah i'm i'm just 
well, I'm disappointed and surprised that West Ham only sold that many tickets. I would have thought with the, the signings they made, there would have been a lot more of their fans wanting to come and see the likes of Katarina Gori and, I don't know, she didn't play, but Christy Mewis potentially make their debuts for the club. So I was quite surprised they didn't sell more tickets. It'd be interesting to see if Palace bring more for the next round. I think they probably will. Yeah, I mean, Rich, not to no, not to, to blame Chelsea, as, as Sophie said, you know, the tickets have to go to West Ham. Just, you know, after the first week when you've not sold any, or you've sold five, um, do you not think that they should be putting a phone call and saying, oh, well, I don't think we're going to need half these seats um, if you want to take them back, you know, just bit amateurish, you know, from West Ham, who, I don't know if you watched their BBC documentary a few years ago. Um, probably not much has changed since then. Um, I haven't watched the documentary. Um, but what I can sort of, I guess, obviously, with, um, you know, domestic cup games, I obviously, this is true in the men's game, um, and this logic might be flawed, but I don't know whether they have to, they have to offer up the whole of a stand or a large sort of, you know, majority of the ground or a larger majority of the ground than they do for league games. Cause there's obviously there's a few blocks in the North stand, which are for away league games. Um, and um, obviously, you know, if, if you sort of take this logic sort of to the, uh, to the men's game, you know, usually you, you know, the away team as the whole of the shed. Um and yeah, I'm guessing obviously that was that may be the case here. But yeah, I know uh, people North Stand season ticket holders obviously had to come into the South Stand, and yeah, it was uh, it was um, packed out uh, completely. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously, yeah, no, they need sort of communication with West Ham. I don't know when the tickets went off sale uh, for West Ham and when they came back to us, but. Yeah, it obviously would have been preferred if you know for that to happen as sort of early as possible, so we you know we can potentially get more people you know back in the north stand. Um, I have to say it was you know strange seeing Basil in the west and south stand because he's usually up the other end of the pitch, um, and you can hear him from there. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I haven't really got sort of anything more to add. I think um, I, I do wonder if it's down to. Yeah, as I say, uh, just domestic cup uh, allocation being different from a league game. Yeah, just frustrating, I suppose, because, you know, it looks like we can't sell out when probably those tickets would have gone because uh, people do like the North Stand for the seats. Um, and you've got that east, the northeast corner's empty with no one standing there. Surely they can do half and half, I don't know. But just frustrating that West Ham, you know, I think that's the next thing that needs to grow in the women's game is, you know, that away support. And following your team, not just turning up on a weekend, I suppose. But where we are, it's West Ham. Who wants to watch them anyway? Um, sadly, that is all we've got time for tonight. We will be back uh, next week to review our clash with Manchester United. Uh, and I'll be joined by somebody, uh, hopefully, uh, when people let me know what dates they can do. Uh, in the meantime, uh, make sure you follow us on all the social medias. We're at Moking Meadow on Twitter. And at Went Smoking Meadow on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me at Dean Mears, uh, Rich at Batesy in the Place, and Sophie at Traveller74, if you so wish. Um, uh, Rich, good to see you. Um, thanks for joining us. Yeah, uh, good to see you both again. Uh, yeah, happy to be on the show. Um, yeah, and now we're really getting into a really busy period. Um, lots of games coming thick and fast. 
Um, I don't know when the next break between games is. Um, but yeah, it'll be, uh, you know, hopefully enjoyable experience uh, going to watch them, as it usually is. Yeah, there's not actually a break now until Man City. Because um, yeah. of the cup. Uh, actually, a good run of fixtures for me, actually, January and February, uh, which usually is not the case. Uh, but there we are. Uh, Sophie, always excellent to have you on the show. Um, maybe we'll see I or both of you on, on Sunday as well at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, hopefully see you there. Um, yeah, if, um, the last thing, obviously, before we go, uh, if you do like what we do and want to support the show, you can sign up to our Patreon uh, you can become a season ticket holder for five pounds a month, and it helps us, you know, do things like Mixler, uh, and the Zoom meetings and the editing software and everything that goes into the show. Uh, we're also going to start putting these on our standalone sort of podcast platform. Uh, so as well as on the Chelsea Fancast, we will also be doing the Went to Smoking's Meadow channel. Uh, so if you don't want to listen to the men's show, uh, you can just listen to us. Uh, for those of you that don't like the men's team uh, which I don't blame you at the moment um, so look out for that when it drops and if you're listening on that platform make sure to give us a nice five star review uh, and tell us how we are the best Chelsea Wins podcast uh, that you can listen to uh, so until then until next time uh, from Kings Meadow to Wembley keep the blue flag flying high. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.